Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, June 8th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo. I am joined by the gentleman on the other side of your screen. He's the peanut butter to my jelly. He's the conspiracy to my theory. You know from CBS Sports, it's the one and only Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. Yes, yes, Luke. Fired the heck up this week. Okay, brother? All right? Not just UFC 250 giving us a lot to talk about, plus, you know, some future labor negotiations. More on that to come. Uh, But uh, the sun's out today, okay? We can put some of the uh, negativity aside in this life and world and take 90 minutes to have some fun. And something else happened, Luke, since we last met. Do you want to break it to the people? Oh, you, break it before you, you bite You know it? what? This has been a cause that you have cracked the whip on more than I. So, good sir, I could never take it away from you. What news do you have to share with our intrepid and loyal viewers? Well, Mama, we made it, right? <laughs> Abuela, we in this piece, okay? <laughs> uh, if you go to show.store.com at the no. moment... No, no, no. Store.show.com. And that's S-H-O, not S-H-O-W. All right, Luke, you handle the specifics here. If you go to this website that's out there and you search Morning Combat, we got merch, baby. We got merch. So, you know, a lot of people saying, guys, you give us this show for free. What can we do to pay you back? Normally we say, like the video and subscribe, Luke Thomas style. Today we say, why don't you outfit yourself in a hat, sweatshirt, beer koozie whatever we got on thongs what do we got on there shot glasses something on there there's something on there for everybody luke yeah right? mugs uh we've got a pint a roll pint glass uh let's see long sleeve shirts short sleeve shirts beanies hats uh sweatshirts for i mean this it just opened i think today or something like that so luke pushed um, we'll- hard for a covid mask thinking he's going to be needing it for another five years but i said no guys come on let's be optimistic here right hey new zealand is having uh fans in attendance for their rugby matches it just so happens they also have zero cases of covid in the entire country but okay neither here nor there we'll make sure we get that link out to everybody uh i'll put one in the uh, in the comments of this video when the show's over i'll tweet it out so you can have a gander at it then. A couple other pieces of show notes, Brian. Number one, of course, this is big for us. 
thumbs up on the video, hit the subscribe button. It's the day after, or the Monday, I should say, after a pay-per-view. Big show today. Show us some big support. We really appreciate it. Also, if you would like to try Showtime for free, you may have a free trial. You can go to Showtime.com right now, and for 30 days, you can kick the tires on a Showtime trial run. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go and do whatever it is with your miserable life that exists outside of Showtime. But it is there as an opportunity for you, so give that a run. Uh, all right, Brian, we got merch. We got our housekeeping notes out of the way. No, we got get... one more thing, bro. What, we what gotta... did we forget? We have a spinoff franchise called uh, Morning Combat Classics, and I think the people, two drink minimum, may want to tune in this Friday night, 10 Eastern, when Showtime unveils, uh, I don't know, a, a five, four, five, six pack of great Mike Tyson fights of old. But we got a nice mix, by the way, of like Crazy Tyson and Knockout Tyson all mixed together. And as a companion piece, Luke and I will be hitting up MK Classics. Uh, you know, bring bring some cold ones. Uh, it gets a little sweaty and gross in there by the end of that. But we're gonna we're gonna go along for the ride with you on YouTube. So let's 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 rock out Friday night. Busy week here on the show. We got merch. We got spinoffs. We got a lot going on. But without further ado, we got to get to the show that is the nucleus here of everything. BC, without any more uh, delays, let's get to topic number one if we can. All right. So it is in the history books. UFC 250 took place again at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada in your main event, Amanda Nunes. What do you want to say? I mean, just kind of wiping the floor here with Felicia Spencer. Did it totally at ease. BC, go first, my good friend. Number one, what can you say about her performance? And then, you know what, let's just start there. Assess for me how she did. Did you learn something new? What can you say about how Amanda Nunes performed on Saturday? Yeah, crowner, Luke. She is who we thought she was, the greatest female of all time. Look, when you're this dominant consistently, all you can do as a pundit or fan or whatever is try to concoct some scenario in which there's a potential that a fight can be competitive. This time it was, oh, the quarantine, the ankle injury, the baby on the way, all that stuff moving up to featherweight for the only the second time in the UFC. But at the end of the day, when we spelled out the potential positives in Felicia Spencer's game. And by the way, I have nothing bad to say about Felicia Spencer. Uh, the only elite skill I really thought she had was, was size, toughness, and durability. And in the end, that was what she flashed in spades going the five-round distance. Yes, you could have stopped this fight, and maybe you should have as early as the third round, certainly the fourth and the fifth. But at the end of the day, Amanda Nunes, you know, can't be rattled. She came off that tough fight against GDR in the rematch. She had mentioned a weight cut was a problem. She's a beast at 145. Her technique, her speed, the right hands. But even if you look deeper into the wrinkles, and as Professor Salt and Pepper, I know you do, Luke, her takedown defense was fantastic. Her cardio over five rounds. If you were waiting at any point, for a door to open up for Felicia Spencer to, to, to stick half of her toe in there. It just wasn't going to happen. And that's why Amanda Nunes is this great. What else are you going to say, Luke, right? She's the queen. Yeah. Bow, bow she, down, she, brother. I mean, there's not much I can really add to that, except I think you're absolutely right. You know, we looked on paper. And we're like, okay, on paper, how much of a mismatch is this between Spencer and between Nunes? 
pretty significant. I mean, Amanda Nunes had the reach advantage. She had the experience advantage. She had, if you look at the, the fight metric numbers, she had better striking totals, better striking defense, better takedown defense, better takedown accuracy. There was nothing you could really say, but okay, the win streaks are hard to keep going. It's a different weight class. Let's just see what happens. All right, well, we did. You kind of indicated to it, but it's worth repeating here. You know what's funny? If you go back and you look at her losses, particularly like the Kat Zingano loss, and then you look at who she is today, I mean, this is a completely different fighter. The only thing that really kind of holds up is the power is the same between then and now, but the way she applies it, the way she manages a fight, all the other pieces of the game have undergone, if not growth, outright revolution. It's incredible to see the transformation. And listen, I'm not here to say that you know women's 145 is the deepest weight class. It's not. But I also just don't want to take anything away from Amanda Nunes. Not only is she technically superior to her foes, or at least you know maybe she's not a better striker per se than Durand to me, if you want to make that case, but the totality of her game gives her more aces in the hole, so to speak. But what's also interesting to me is, in addition to this sort of wide-ranging technical superiority, She's just physically more dominant than these other women, right? She can, as we saw, put hands on you in a way that maybe no other woman we've ever seen can. She also has very good uh, sort of physicality when they clinch up. She was ragdolling Felicia Spencer in these other moments, throwing her side to side. And this was the weight class above 135. So to me, it's like, listen, man, the only way at this point that she's going to get caught is if she makes a tremendous error, she stops caring, or Father Time d- decides to intervene. Because other than that, these other ladies just don't have a prayer. She is so far in front of her competitors. It's almost like, I mean, you know, Shevchenko is, is close. I get that. But in, you know, in terms of the other 135ers or the 145ers, I mean, it's not, even, it's not even doable to make a 145-pound I mean, match that's even remotely competitive at this point. You know, she sealed up her intangibles so tight, meaning you don't see her gas out. She has a great chin. You're going to have to be a thinker, Luke. I mean, we got to give, in hindsight, Jermaine Durandamy credit for being tough in that rematch, but sort of trying to get the fight on her own terms, which is really hard to do against Amanda, because even if your IQ is high, even if you're a Shevchenko who can be elusive and sort of set traps and all that, you still have to deal with Amanda's power at the end of the day. So we're asking someone to be such an, uh, a next-level elusive fighter to even have a chance against her. And certainly we're where we were, you know, a few months back and a few months before that. Who's next? What's next? Is there anyone next? I still like a stay busy featherweight title defense against Megan Anderson. She brings length. She brings size. She brings certain things to the table. I still think someone like Aspen Ladd at Bantamweight potentially can grow into a legitimate contender. But outside of Shevchenko, there's no one that can beat her. And it, it, it's that same conversation over again in which Dana didn't really want to have on Saturday. You know, his response this time was... Nunes beat her twice. What do you want me to do? Do it a third time? Well, yeah, because that would be the biggest fight of Valentina's career to finally get that third chance to to right what she thought was a wrong in that rematch. It just seems that Dana's more interested in using Valentina to do a Weili Zhang super fight than to do this for Amanda, which makes me ask you this, Luke, with all those things considered, the short talent pool, Dana not jumping over hills to make the trilogy with Valentina, how much longer do you think Amanda plies her trade? Well, I thought for sure there was at least a chance that after Saturday's win, even before, like heading into the fight, I was like, if she wins this, I mean, I don't even know who's out there for her. And then the way she won, I was like, wow, there's really 
nobody out there for her. But she did not seem ready to hang it up at this point. She seemed ready to say, okay, I've got a family coming. I've got some other things. I've deserved an earned break, so I'll take one. Fair enough. Uh, Who could argue otherwise? And then looking ahead, I'm not super opposed to the Megan Anderson fight. Listen, if Amanda Nunes wants to hold that belt and she's the top contender, she has a responsibility, I would argue Amanda Nunes does, to make sure that that belt stays in rotation, at least in terms of opportunities, for those title contenders. I don't think it's a very competitive fight, but strange things happen. And again, that's her responsibility as a title holder. At 135, I don't, I, I'm a little bit less convinced by the idea that an Irene Aldana or a Juliana Pena or, as you mentioned, Aspen Ladd, is really the fight to go forward here, right? I mean, yes, all three of those women are very, very talented, I certainly acknowledge, and maybe Pena with her sort of relentless takedown threat potentially poses something, but I think Aspen Ladd is way physically outmatched, and Aldana is certainly sort of interesting as a stick and mover, but I don't think we'll hold up under the power. She gets hit a lot, so it just doesn't really seem like that's the way to go. So here's what I think. I think Amanda Nunes is going to take a little bit of a break let this kind of thing sort itself out, see who emerges, somebody get a big win, somebody shows something, and then she can come back. And we're probably still going to favor Amanda Nunes no matter which way we go, but at least it's, there's a little bit of hype there. Right now, it just doesn't seem like anyone has has jumped to the front of either of those divisions in a very dominant way. BC, let me pitch one last question back to you about Amanda, if I may. You had indicated there, Shevchenko versus Zhang. I got to tell you, I don't know if I like that too much. Zhang has this opportunity following the Yoani and Jacek fight to build on something Thing. They're pretty spectacular at strawweight. I think she's overmatched, if you ask me, against Shevchenko, who would be the bigger woman. And as we've seen, pretty dang talented. I- I'm with you. I'd rather see Shevchenko versus Nunes 3 than Shevchenko versus Zhang, even though the latter is technically the much fresher matchup. Yeah, and not, and not only that, but look, I get people not even liking us putting the crown on on Nunes and saying she's the greatest of all time because MMA has been around for such a short amount of time. And again, what happens if she loses? Is that person the GOAT? Well, they're not. But even in that realm, the only person who has a chance at you know, besting Nunes in that conversation might be Valentina. And if we already thought she may have won at least one of those first two fights, giving her that chance to become a two-division champion and and stand on top of that mountain would be interesting. I'm still lament that we never got the Amanda rematch with Cyborg. It would have been a great payday. It would have given us a lot of answers to how quickly that first fight ended. Uh, but everything you said there is true. Um, you know, I don't know if Kayla Harrison's star can get there fast enough where it would even make sense for Amanda to want to move up and even more and fight her so that window's closing baby on the way maybe you know maybe we only get a couple more of these out of the line it's gonna be interesting to see yeah certainly is all right so that takes us down the card if we can a lot to actually sort of appreciate frankly from saturday's card in terms of what the fighters were able to turn in how about the return of no love not rich clemente no cody garbrandt is back folks whoa what a thunderous KO. That is easily that second-round KO he scored at 4.59 of the second frame over Rafael Sunsau. It's one of the best KOs in UFC history. It's one of the best KOs in bantamweight history. It's easily one of the best walk-off KOs I've ever seen, and that was the second of two walk-off KOs on that night. Okay, Brian, back to you one more time. What did we learn about this version of Cody Garbrandt? Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. 
Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Well, we learned that he overcame a horrific hair night. Shout out to him on that. But here's what we learned, Luke. Uh, you know, there was fear that we, we called this a crossroads fight for a reason. If he lost, and especially by knockout, and this was no easy fight, obviously, he's done. He's done as an elite fighter. I mean, there would be a chance you could rebuild yourself over time, but he's pretty much done. Not only is he back, Luke, but he essentially went all the way back to the things we saw in the Dominic Cruz fight that showed you he was a super elite, a future star, and maybe even added on to that. And that's a shout out to so many people, certainly the, the Mark Henry camp and the idea of getting new eyes and ears in there for what he did in Jersey to build up for this fight. It's also just a shout out to Cody Garbrandt's perseverance, ability to withstand what was a storm, a three-fight losing skid, the kind of knockouts that's, that can just destroy your invincibility. We feared that we know what's inside of him and he wasn't going to get a chance to bring that out. He not only brought it out, he brought it out with a bang. This wasn't a lucky punch. This was a fight he was dominating. He was as crisp, as quick, as smart as really he's ever been. And he looked even more dangerous in this fight than I thought he did on that initial build to the title run. It's one fight, it's one night. But talk about putting the train back on the tracks. It's a good story. No, it's a great story to see somebody with so much potential to get back to where they need to be. And oh, by the way, he sent my guy, Rafael, to hell. Luke, he pulled that punch from the deep, dark depths of where he's been the last few years. And that was one of those performances where not only was it awesome, you jumped up out of your seat, but you, you felt good for the guy, too. Shout out to Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a redemption. Wow. So, you know, it's funny. Daniel Cormier was commentating that night, and he indicated one of the big, big criticisms of Garbrandt was his chin. Now, listen, I'm not here to tell you that Garbrandt, in terms of his chin, is prime Noguera or something, but I never really found that to be a very strong argument. If you sat there and take the punches that TJ Dillashaw was handing out or Pedro Munoz, you're probably going to go down, right? They're very, very hard. Again, maybe his dad doesn't have the best chin at Bantamweight, but he's far from the worst, and really it didn't speak to what the real problem was it spoke to a lack of discipline a lack of infighting decision making well what did he show here in terms of sticking to the game plan and listening to his corner and understanding his responsibilities especially on the defensive end it seems like he was doing everything he was supposed to and then in terms of making decisions in the middle of a fight right responsible ones but still thinking through problems in real time he dipped to the corner and came up with that huge right hand that was improvisational it was partly listening to his corner but he was able to make those adjustments on the fly they didn't rehearse that he just sort of made that up as it went along with all the other things that he was diligently exacting dude this is what you wanted to see from cody garbrandt this is the proof in the pudding that what you saw in that december night in 2016 it is back and maybe better than ever not only does he have this sort of new system in place that he's got that accentuates his strengths and minimizes weaknesses but he's able to live and breathe and think the whole time and as a consequence showing you he's got the fight iq to do devastating things one more point if i may brian campbell and i think it bears repeating here i had some folks asking me after the fight wow he looks so much better with mark henry and hicardo almeida does this prove that team alpha male is bad no far from it team alpha male was the one that got him to the point 
where he was doing what he was doing against Dominic Cruz. But listen, it also shows that cross-training can help a lot of different athletes at a lot of different scenarios, including those who are in their mid to late 20s who might need a little bit of reinvention. Some people might start somewhere else, BC, and then up at Team Alpha Male and get that same level of growth, that same level of development. They're an elite camp that's done elite things, but it just goes to show getting some different looks, seeing what's out there, complementing all the different trainers you've had into one is the kind of recipe you can have for long-term success. I commend Team Alpha Male, and I commend the folks over there in New Jersey for doing what they did, and I commend Cody Garbrandt for an absolutely sensational performance. And look, this will serve as a sort of a natural uh, transition into our next topics, but what a gluttony of riches at Bantamweight. I always tell you, lightweight, historically deep division, maybe the deepest ever. Women's strawweight, never going to let you down. And you made a good point about there's enough business there to keep Weili Zhang busy. She doesn't need to move up. Uh, Bantamweight is, is as advertised. No, it's only better. Not just the three performances we saw. And you could argue that any of those three deserved story of the night, fighter of the night sort of honors because they were all three statement performances. But we're not even talking about that. We still have the vacant title bout with Peotre Jan and, and Jose Aldo. We got Frankie Edgar coming in. We got TJ Dillashaw eventually coming back. We got Faber. We got Cruz. I mean, we have so many damn names. Pedro Munoz. Wow, this division is great. And Cody Garbrandt could have disappeared on Saturday, and I still would have gave you that same speech. Only now he's an instant title contender. I don't know how they're going to map out the future, Luke, but it's going to be crazy fun to see these matches as they play out. They're all main event worthy. They really are top to bottom. It's, it's, it's really true, which makes me kind of sad that Cejudo isn't there anymore. But uh, I guess maybe there's a chance he'll come back at some point. But you're right. Below 155, and if you want to say maybe on par at some point, I mean, 135 is making a case for itself as easily one of the very best divisions in all of MMA. Now, that takes us to another gentleman here at point three who had his own absolute shockingly good performance how about Aljamain sterling the funk master i think the only guest we've ever had on this show bc we didn't have him on a regular mk we had him on a preview i think for ufc 244 but we had him on just the same and um wow he submits Corey sandhagen in about 90 seconds into the first round i went through and i watched this one in great detail bc I'm so impressed by Aljamain Sterling, and I think that there's a point that needs to get made here. Number one, he is so obviously your top contender. I know Cody Garbrandt is back, and he's back in a big way, and if I'm Cody, I'm staying healthy, I'm staying ready, because you never know what could happen, but Aljamain Sterling is on a five-fight win streak against very top contenders, including this last one, Corey Sandhagen, and what he showed was... In terms of his fight skills, there was nothing really exactly new here. I mean, we knew he could find the back. We knew he's deadly as a finisher. We know he's very, very strong. But what it just showed to me was sometimes you get these guys, BC, and they have a lot of promise and a lot of hype when they come into the UFC, but their promise and their hype isn't quite ready for the reality of things yet. And he had good wins, to be clear. But, you know, he had a few stumbles along the way. Not everyone has a John Jones-like run. Not everyone has, you know, Anderson Silva coming over and beating Lieben and beating Franklin and all these, and Luter and all these guys. Some people have to figure it out a little bit differently. But, boy, has he done that. 
wow, he understands himself. He knows how to win. He knows what works for him. He knows if he has to stand, he can do that. If he wants to take it to the ground, he can do that. He had exactly the right game plan. I thought, take it to Corey early, use your grappling and strength advantage, and my goodness, that was such an application of force and skill and tenacity. And the last thing I'd say about it, BC, is did you see the look on his face after he won? Right? It was not it wasn't surprise exactly, but it was the fulfillment of something that he was telling himself was true and telling himself, and he was waiting for real proof in the real world. And then he made it. And it was so satisfying because you could tell there was a little bit of joy mixed with a little bit of pain, the pain of some of the setbacks or some of the hard lessons. But he has grown into something magisterial. He is your top contender. That guy is a is a winner and not born, but proven through hard work, talent, and development. What a guy. Yeah, you mentioned joy and pain. How about a little sunshine and rain? Pump it up, pump it up. Statement made here, Luke. I mean... Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's almost as if aljo like read all the clippings and the headlines knew that this division was about to burst vacant title at stake they didn't call him for the vacant title bout and even though this was like a pick'em fight and you and i you know were very honest about that coming in I think a lot of us started to go, we kind of feel like we know Aljo Ceiling, really good fighter, but how about this shiny new toy, Corey Sandhagen, who may be the dark horse of the division. He may have the brighter long-term potential. And as we mentioned, Garbrandt back and all these other guys. Well, no, Aljo on an already busy night was like, uh, I got next, I got now, I got it all. I live for the funk, I die for the funk. And that's about as impressive of a performance as you possibly could see. Look, you, ne- you never, you never would have guessed he would have made it look that explosively easy with force against a guy who had never been handled like that in San Hagen. I have so much respect for this performance. It, it was like watching somebody, you know, it's kind of like Gilbert Burns a couple weeks back, right? It was like watching somebody leap through your television screen and get to that next level right before your eyes. It only makes this, disi- this division way more fun because, Luke, I have no idea 12 months from now who's going to be your 135-pound champion. The only thing I think I do know is that this win should be enough to get him in a title fight right now. Now, is it good enough that Dana basically said he'll fight the winner of the vacant title bout? Sure. 
but we never really loved Jose Aldo in that spot. They went back to the well a second time, and now these young names who hadn't quite leaped are leaping in a big way. I don't think it's wrong to just say we screwed up. Sorry, Jose Aldo. You know, you're going to go fight another legend or another name here. Uh, Peyotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling might be the fight, and you're going to make a star out of whoever wins that. So why are we wasting our time, Luke? Put Aljo in the fight right now. Do it. Luke, would you, call would Sean you, Shelby. Do it, okay? Would you put Cody Garbrandt and Jose Aldo together? Where would Cody go from here? You know, Cody deserves a, a, a huge fight. I don't think you had to put a you know interim title or anything at stake, but if you pulled Jose Aldo out of there and you put Cody with him in a giant, you know, live on ESPN main event or a pay-per-view co-main for good money, that's a great, you know, victory. I do not think Cody secured a title shot with that win, but the way that Aljo did it and his marketing potential long-term and his growth as a fighter, seriously, Luke, how could you not right now be like, we effed up, Aljo's in. You know, it's funny. You know what this reminded me of? A very different fight. And I do think that, you know, here's the thing about Corey Sandhagen. He lost quickly and viciously and by the hands of Aljamain Sterling authoritatively. But I'm not ready to give up on that kid either. He's still young. He's still got some lessons. He actually still could be the dark horse for the bantamweight division, just not right now. There's still some things, obviously, he's going to have to work out and get better at, and I think he will. He's got the time and the talent and the team around him to get there. But when I think about Aljamain Sterling and this moment, it reminds me of sometimes in the UFC, BC, you know this, you'll see that you this is why I like seeing top contender fight top contender. Sometimes the UFC makes them and sometimes they don't. It, de- it depends on how marketable they are and what they're trying to do with the champion and blah. But I remember distinctly when St. Pierre fought Frank Trigg. And it was one of these moments where it was like, ooh, St. Pierre is this up-and-coming guy and he looks like the next big thing. But Frank Trigg was, I think, on a win streak at that point. And he had given very good fighters the business. He had given Dennis Holman the business. Uh, Hanato Verissimo, he, he had uh, clubbed him. And you're like, I just don't know what's going to happen here. And then St. Pierre went in there and absolutely crushed him. And I was like, well, that's your guy. There's this moment in time where it looks like it's a pick em fight. And one of these contenders says, no, sir. No, it is not. Not today. And that yeah, was John Aljamain Jones, Sterling. Ryan Bader, Luke. Revisit Simil- that. Similar. Exactly. Exactly the same kind of thing where you think it's pretty even and it's just not. So, again, look at Ryan Bader, all the success he had. I think, you know, Corey Sanhagen will have that and potentially a whole lot more. But I, I just love these top contender versus top contender fights sometimes, BC. I know the UFC is reluctant to make them on occasion, but when you do, you get magic like this. You get sorting like this. You get cleanliness like this. These are some of my favorite MMA memories, to be honest with you. Love it. Love it so much. Love it. Love the Bantamweights, the 135ers. Um, yeah, I got nothing else for you, Luke. Can you take us to the next level, please? I, I think I have to. Now, we'll stay right on there with Bantamweight. What a showcase of this division, huh? UFC should think about doing these with these thicker, these bigger divisions more often. Uh, the Sugar Show, folks. <laughs> wow. Uh, we all kind of felt like this was a fight he could win and probably would. Did you think he was going to look that good against Eddie Wineland? You knew it was possible, but again, he just keeps rising to the occasion. Sean O'Malley, BC, I think you would agree, is the future of the UFC. He dispatches Eddie Wineland with ease. I think he took one decent to good punch from Wineland and then viciously one punch KO'd him. BC, you got to talk to me about this. What do you think about what he did and what does this tell us about his upside? 
I think you nailed it. You didn't say this is the future of the Bantamweight division, which he very well may be. You said future of the sport, and that's not overdoing it. Like, there's very few guys that understand their value and their market marketing ability and avail you know, willing to, you know, to connect with fans. And certainly, Sugar Sean O'Malley had that flashiness early. He's the weed guy. He's the next Nate Diaz. We had that period of his life. To see him bounce back so well from the two years off with the USADA suspension and put together two demonstrative devastating wins and do it with such suave and swagger and flash the colored hair the walk-off attitude afterwards the pay me now not like hey uh i this is my moment like a lot of the big name fighters which we'll get to in terms of making a power play he's just like i'm legitimately on a rookie contract here and i'm smoking fools um the reason why you could argue this was as impressive or more than what Aljo and Cody Garbrandt did for their own specific career arcs is because if you're a casual fan buying this pay-per-view, which I, I have to believe UFC is able to benefit from a, from a percentage of that right now with nothing else going on, I mean, that's the guy you're talking about at the end, the rainbow-haired guy who knocked that dude out. I mean, I thought Joe Rogan went overboard in, in, in kind of putting this in the category of maybe the greatest knockout of all time. It's an incredible knockout. But, like, Cody Garbrandt's was a lot better than this one. Great knockout. But it's like he did enough on this night, meaning Sean O'Malley, to tell you that wherever he's going from now on, you need to follow him, you need to pay to see him, whatever it takes. I hope he gets what he deserves, Luke. Um, it's great, great, great when you see somebody just like Cody in that spot for redemption, just like Aljo with a chance to to make that leap to the top. Somebody come through an opportunity with flying colors and just smash it. This was a showcase fight. It was. It really was. I'm sorry. It was. You know, Chase Hooper had the same opportunity in a way. Failed miserably. Sean O'Malley hit a freaking grand slam. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. He really did. You know, I had someone ask me yesterday, why do people like Sean O'Malley? Now, not that they were skeptical, but they were just trying to understand what the mechanics were. And I was like, well, let's think about it. One, he's young, so he identifies with a younger demographic. Two, um, he's got his own personality. Three, the whole weed thing, right? doesn't hurt. Four, he can fight his ass off. But here's, you kind of mentioned it. Here's the last part that sort of binds it all together. He is effortlessly cool. He doesn't have to try. It comes completely natural. It's not an act. It's not a thing that he has to think about. He's just himself, and people like you and I can admire his abilities. And then I'm sure you've interviewed him before. I mean, he's a really nice person. There's not a whole lot of like genuinely nice people in MMA. He is certainly one of them. And he's smart. He understands his value. He's got all, he, he just checks all the boxes about what you want out of a top prospect in this division. And now, by the way, we should sort of call him what he is not a top contender, but a rising contender. I think with this performance, he'll jump into the top 15. And he just gets it. He, he, he made this fight. I had him on my show. I was like, how did this fight come about? He was just looking down the list about who might be available and interesting. Found Wineland, called Sean Shelby and said, how about this? They thought about it, called him back and said, okay. And that was the fight. And then so he just sort of understands how to make his own future, how to make his own reality. The last thing I'll say is 
I'm not the most pro USADA guy in the world, uh, BC. I think you know that. And I don't, I mean, there's just no evidence that his suspension was in any way scientifically valid. They railroaded this kid. But, but here's the thing I'll say. You mentioned Chase Hooper. I mean, Chase Hooper obviously has a lot of ability on the ground and is durable. And the kid has a just, you know, an absolute ton of heart. I give him credit. But I just don't know if he's ready for this level, which is to say he can't get wins at this level. But I don't know if he's ready to thrive at this level. And I think if there's a little bit of pumping the brakes and he can develop physically and then some of his other skill sets, I do think he can eventually thrive at this level. The two years off, again, I don't want to call it good for him, but I'll say this. He made the most of it. He maximized it. He didn't take any breaks. He didn't rest. He just got way better. And in his 20s for two years, I'm sure he took bumps and bruises in the gym, BC, but he didn't get lit up uh, with some bad fight in the octagon. He saved himself, and now he is screaming for a more challenging fight. He's earned it, and he's ready for it. Yeah, whether whether he deserved the suspension or not, he rehabilitated himself, right? He's like, it's like you went to jail and you read a lot of great books and you came out with a, you know, woodworking certificate. I mean, like he figured it out and I don't want to crap on Chase Hooper, by the way. In fact, I, I thought that was one of the, you know, bigger betting options because we'd seen Bruce Leroy be so inconsistent that I'm like, if Chase Hooper's the real deal, he's got a chance to show you with a bang. Um, he did show us toughness. It's too early though. And, and I think that Joe Rogan was as honest on this broadcast in a few different categories as we've heard in a while. He was honest in saying maybe this guy shouldn't be here you know maybe he should be somewhere in in the you know minor leagues if you will uh gaining the experience um they pushed uh they pushed him ahead you know they sent out the the jar of m&ms with his face on it It was cool it it led us to believe that maybe he was better than he was and hopefully he can you know rebound from this loss and get what he's supposed to get out of it but uh you know back to sean o'malley it's like the comfortability in the spotlight the ease in which he's authentic that you mentioned but the ease in which he finishes dudes like it's effortless you can tell that there's you know some some everything about him is real and that's great so let's let's keep watching him this rise luke uh one year from now he's you know he's going to be in a title fight and if he's not then something failed right so you know the marketing promotion plan or him as a person failed because he could be your champion a year from now without question let me put you back to you in thinking about a potential next fight my thought was bc what about putting him against someone 11 to 15 in the rankings. That's where I think he's going to end up, probably. What do you think about putting someone there? So let me read that to you. To be Cruz, Stamen, Dodson, Songinong, Marlon Vera, Rob Font in that area. What do you think? I mean, you'd probably it's probably going to end up being somebody like a Dodson who's got a little bit of a name left but is going in the other direction than... Uh, then propping him up against a guy with a, a veteran with a legit name like a Cruz or a Faber. And I think you'd only do that if you're going to make him, if your next step in his promotional marketable p- marketing plan is to like, hey, we got something here. Let's put him in the main event. If he's going to be in the main event of you know UFC Fight Night or be the, again, the co-main on a pay-per-view, you might see him with a Faber type and it might be worthy. Yeah, and I'll just say this. I think Sterling, early 30s. Cody, 28. He'll be 29 next month. Uh, O'Malley is what 25 or 25, something yeah. I mean not only are these guys good and there's so many of them I think uh, I think uh, Corey Sanhagen too let's not forget about him it, it wasn't his day on Saturday but he will have a day in the future I think he's in his mid to late 20s as well it's a young division it's talented all these guys are different they can do so many things yet they have their own identities boy <laughs> you mentioned it an embarrassment of riches bantamweight is awesome right now so that takes us to our fifth point of the show here 
I mean, honestly, BC, this could have been the way we started the show, to be perfectly honest with you. It's the biggest story of the week, Luke. It, it really is. It, it certainly is. We wanted to give UFC 250 its due, but this is enormous. So Henry Cejudo retiring, it seems like, because he couldn't get the fights with the money that he wanted. John Jones saying, peace out. Let me know when you want to pay me, because if you don't, I'm not going to be here. Jorge Masvidal now joins that chorus, by the way, and got to Twitter early and often with not just a claim that he wanted more, but with the citation of figures that have now been widely reported in MMA media about what fighters actually get. Now, we'll get to the Connor angle in just a second, because hello, he retired apparently over the weekend as well. But first things first, BC, Jorge Masvidal feuding with the UFC. He adds, as we mentioned, to all these other names. Sean O'Malley, by the way, saying he wanted a new deal as well. I think he'll probably get one. But what do you make of Masvidal versus UFC right now? Well, you know, as much as you want to separate the two topics, I think Connor is a part of this advancement and lineage. And by the way, also check out Gray Maynard's Twitter feed for some honest breakdowns of the money he made and his difficulties financially in, the, in that run he had. Uh, what do I make of it? We said last week and the week before of the John Jones versus Dana beef about the Nganu fight and about being paid for super fights, that it's maybe right message, wrong time, but that it's only going to lead to something and be a tipping point if more fighters follow him, if more become a unified front, and I'm not saying necessarily union yes or, or let's lock out, you know, but that basically, and whether this was a, you know, backdoor managers get together and plan this out or whether this was individually one after another realizing their lot and becoming opportunistic at the same time, they have sent a large message that says the way things are structured now, it's not going to work moving forward. And Dana's response to this late Saturday at the press conference was very interesting. You got the 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 hard-ass Dana immediate comments, and then you got some sort of like vulnerable stuff from Dana that we don't normally get. Like, hey guys, like I'm trying to keep this thing together. I get it, but like, what do you want me to do? The future, Luke, is gonna be really interesting. It this almost doesn't affect the right now. And the reality of that is, like, Masvidal wasn't going to fight anyway. Connor's not going to fight right now anyway. John Jones is not going to fight anyway. Without a live gate, these guys can't get paid the regular rate. We know this. Connor drew an $11 million live gate in January, right? When you take that money off the board, you can't pay him whatever he's used to. So for Masvidal to reveal that he was offered half of what he made against Nate Diaz for the BMF title to fight for the damn real title against Usman... He's not going to fight anyway. What I'm looking forward to seeing, Luke, is how serious these guys are at digging in and making this a real thing and coming together because when the live gates come back and the ability to make money comes back, will everyone jump back in because, A, they need the money by then? Will everybody jump back in for just a little bit more than they're used to because it's better than what they had? Or will they actually get to a point where they'll lock arms and say, we need, we need, we need to lock out now for the future. If that doesn't happen, Luke, then I think this is just a lot of, you know, noises in a vacuum. It's, it's positive noises. Like this, like people need to know this. People need to know that the UFC reportedly only pays 16% of their total revenue to the fighters compared to 50% in big team sports. People need to know that there's no fighter union, that the structure is tilted against fighters controlling their own destiny, right? You're an independent contractor, but you have an exclusive deal and UFC has ways to add on to that deal and, and that we're now finding out when fighters go public. But 
it's all going to matter when that money is back. Will people take it or will they fight for it? Because look, there's a larger conversation to have about the future and it could be a dark one. And I'm not saying dark just for the, st the standpoint that we could see like a lockout or something. What makes the UFC so great for fans? That they have control over everything. They're not boxing. They're, they're, they're the manager, the, the promoter. They're, they're everything in one in a lot of ways, right? They make the best fight the best because they kind of have to financially to get to where they want to be. We want the fighters, especially with the brain trauma they take on, especially since so many of them can barely afford to do a full-time training. We want them to be taken care of because they deserve it. But what that future will look like it may not be the UFC that we're used to, Luke, and I think we have to understand that. We have the potential to go through some very needed but very legitimate growing pains where you may see boxing-style matchmaking if that's what it takes to put these guys on the card and pay them what they feel they deserve. The glory days of the best fighting the best every single time, that may be you know, something like a casualty that has to happen for the fighters to get what they deserve. I don't know what the future is going to bring, Luke. I just know that UFC can't afford to pay right now. And, you know, what will the fighters do when UFC can? Will they cross the picket line, take the money? Or will they stand back and say, no, we, we, we deserve more. Let's fight for it. Uh, you raise, I think, as someone who's covered boxing for a long time and understands where they are, where we are here in MMA, and why things might be trending in that direction and what that all looks like. I think I take that very seriously, BC. I think you're probably onto something. Now, it's a lot of that is unknowable. We don't really know exactly how it's going to end up, but that could that be one permutation? Certainly, I think so. And we need to answer a question here, like why should the fighters make more what is their case well as you indicated the court documents which we i tweeted out extensively over the weekend you can read them for yourselves they reveal that basically around 18 percent or so is what fighters make year over year so you could say well all the other professional leagues they make around 50 but i think it's actually more than that right it's not, not that they should make more than 50 but my my, my sense is why do you want to pay fighters you know uh, their share so as you as you call it I think you have an ethical obligation to do it, especially as a fan and a media member. I, I think it's wrong for me as a media member to look at what they sacrifice on the altar of athletic glory, know what they generate from a revenue standpoint. And you can look at the math here, something that is called marginal revenue product. Like what do they specifically bring as headliners and then deny them that? I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong. I'm not saying the UFCs are, you know, some uh, criminal enterprise. It's not what I'm arguing. They're a business. They're going to do what's best with their bottom line. But I just think if, you're, if you care about fighters the way you say you do, and you care about the sport the way you say you do, you have to honor what they bring as revenue generators, and you have to honor that sacrifice. And so folks might be asking, you know, why now? It's the middle of a pandemic, and it could get worse, as Dana said, and uh, who knows when this is all going to end, and blah, blah, blah. It, to me, it makes sense, BC. The UFC is operating better than virtually any other major sports league. <coughs> Pardon me. But the difference, it seems to me, is that everybody is kind of wounded by the pandemic. Everyone kind of recognizes the institutional power of every sports organization has been substantially reduced. And I think that is detected by these elite stars. They're looking at this and they're saying, aha, the UFC probably needs us now more than ever. Now, there's reason to think 
that feeling is a little bit overstated due to the contractual guaranteed revenue that the UFC brings in these days. But at the same time, I sort of I sort of understand there's never a good time to ask for a raise. How many times do we see before every single NFL season so and so is upset? Aaron Donald wants a new deal and Michael Thomas wants a raise and this guy wants to be the greatest quarterback and they might be in the middle of their rookie deals in certain cases. Aaron Donald was, I believe, before he got a new deal at the beginning of one or two seasons ago. So it's, it's what does it do? The media beats them up. The fans beat them up. There's never a good time. I'm not calling for a lockout because I think that would probably be pretty bad for all the parties involved. But good I just enough. feel like you have the last thing I'll say on this BC, I'll throw it back to you, which is I just think you have to have a look in the mirror and you have to say to yourself, is it right to deny people what they have earned, especially when what they do when they earn is in the case of Michael Bisping lose an eye or you know pretty close or brain damage. I mean, they're getting brain damage. You have to pay them what they've earned. Or when you're Jessica Andrade, what, like two fights ago, selling off your equipment because you need to pay for training camp. I mean, there's been some crazy stories of, of big-name fighters in that spot. Um, it's so interesting. Like, this could go somewhere. It could go nowhere. And certainly, you know, Dana did identify one thing. You know, you don't have to fight right now if you don't want to. So there are fighters who will benefit. There are opportunists, right? Justin Gaethje took that opportunity against Tony on short notice, and look where he is. He's going to fight Habib. So you're going to see people that are just going to, that aren't making money anyway, that are going to get themselves into main events and may be able to make themselves stars. But uh, long term, man, you know, there's a reason in boxing why if you're going to pay somebody like a Mayweather a guaranteed $30 million, the undercard's going to be crap, right? Or if you're going to, like, there's a reason why that happens. The big fights only tend to happen when both reach a certain marketable level and they guarantee, I mean, the promoters that they can get their money back by putting that on. Uh, I hope we don't get there in UFC, but some of that feels inevitable until UFC figures out how to redo their financial structure. And I think even more than ever, the whole idea of the debt that Endeavor took on to purchase them for $4.2 billion a couple of years back, what that means moving forward is going to be interesting. Dana can deny and say it has nothing to do with them, but it seems like it does. I mean, it's one thing for the fighters to say, hey, UFC, you're only paying us 16%. Like, we want 50%. But I don't think the UFC is financially set up to pay them 50%. So how is UFC going to slow their further expansion to keep their employees happy and uh it's good it's it's wild you know it's just crazy that a week ago we're like unless more guys speak out nothing can happen well you couldn't ask for <laughs> you know four or five more famous people to speak out right now uh the 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 ish be hitting the fan now luke and while dana may have a uh a grace period during the quarantine to kind of just be like sorry guys you know i'm doing my best eventually right february 1st 2021 luke when those arenas are packed again per our debate and argument we have with each other um then you're gonna find out we're gonna find out what happens very yeah, last thing on this is what i would say is uh again i don't really know how this is gonna play out i don't think they'll ever get i don't think the fighters will ever get 50 unless the ali act passes which you know it's probably dead in the water for the time being a union would not guarantee them 50 not on everything i think it would be probably closer to 35 or so but that would be literally doubling everyone's salary right so it'd be a you know a significant difference from where we are now we haven't even gotten to it so let's quickly mention it while we can bc conor mcgregor suggesting that he has retired now i thought these were somewhat distinct because he's not so much complaining about pay He's complaining about the, he wanted a certain set of individual fights, neither of which I particularly like, but it was the common thread between what Masvidal is saying and what McGregor is saying, BC, is control. 
power. Yes. He's saying, I, I gave these suggestions. It was an interim title fight with Gaethje while Khabib gets ready or uh, the fight with Silva. Anderson Silva. And they, they just poo-pooed it. And his argument is they just seem to say no merely as an exercise of power, not because it's a good idea or a bad idea, just so they can say we're up here and you're down there. What do you make of Conor McGregor's complaints? I think it was 10%. Let me steal the moment of UFC 250 and make it about myself. You know, maybe 5%, a little bit extra whiskey during that tweet. I don't know. Well, who knows? Maybe it was 10%. Let me join in my fellow brethren and let's take a stand for the sport. But I think it was at least, you know, 40% of, uh, hey, if everyone else is going to give themselves some leverage right now, let me take back a huge amount of that leverage because I'm the only guy that's had some lately. So let me do that. And I think the other 60% was what Dana said. And I think he's right. There, there is no one to fight right now for Connor if he's not willing to take a pay cut, if UFC is not willing to make the creative matches he wants because they're too expensive and because he was essentially stiff-armed by how things went in the lightweight division, how it played out. Habib was supposed to face Tony, right, already? So that we, the winner could fight Connor. Well, you know, the, the need of an interim in between that delayed things. So Connor wouldn't get the chance to fight that winner until, you know, December at the earliest. So that's screwed up his timeline. If UFC isn't going to break the bank for him to fight Nate a third time or whatever, then he's just like, ah, I'm done here. F you guys. And that obviously makes his value larger when they come to him next time. It's not him coming to them. It's them coming to him and saying, we'd love you to fight Habib. Can we do this? But, um, one thing I don't think we mentioned enough when we regurgitate all these financial facts, you know, UFC going to lose $100 million in live gate this year, that ESPN pay-per-view deal really took some extra leverage from the fighters, right? When they, you know, this pay-per-view on Saturday turned out to be magical. It's great. Everything was fantastic. It could have been a dud where you look back and you go, Hey, you had Nunes in the main event. You didn't really have anybody else that could sell it. Well, it doesn't matter because ESPN's giving them that minimum amount, which is a lot of money. Uh, fighters ain't getting that, Luke. Right? So um, the, it's really hard to to take your to take the thing out and 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 swing it, Luke. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to know. do that right now. Yeah, I don't right? know what that I, I don't mean, know what that last sentence means, but I'll, I'll say this. You know, well, Luke, I, I, if you if you got a big, let me search it. Right? <laughs> Listen, Missy Elliot, keep your hands to yourself. But here's my point. Uh, the Shane's a '90s counter, but wouldn't that be a '2000s counter? But yeah, okay, Jay, I mean Jay's, you know, Jay, Jay, Jay's a nerd who wears white glasses. I mean, what do you want yeah, from the guy? Yeah. Listen, I follow Jay's dog on Instagram. Look, look where the quarantine has me right now. Okay, thank you. Here, here's my point about Connor a little bit on this. I, I don't love either of those fights because it's like the winner of Cerrone to me doesn't get you the title fight against Gaethje. To me, more would have to be done. Granted, they're just doing title fights in whatever way now, so I can't argue that the hardest way, but. I don't like it. And I've on this show, I was pretty clear I did not like the fight against Silva. But I'll say this. If you're a UFC and you have a choice to make about what he's doing this way and all the bad press that it brings, and they say they don't buckle to bad press, but the bad press is right on SportsCenter's doorstep. I mean, they had Masvidal on over the weekend. This is not going away anytime soon. It's a, I was on local radio this morning because they wanted to ask me about it, and they don't ever talk UFC. That was pretty rare, and it was just about Connor and Masvidal. So if this kind of thing continues, it's really kind of bad press. But the thing about Connor is if, if the goal is to keep the guy in rotation and he wants to take a fight against Silva, I mean, it's kind of like we talked about it with Scott Coker for our show Morning Combat Strike Force Classics when they made Hendo versus Fedor. They had never really planned to. It wasn't a thing. And then, okay, eventually they just decided to make it. And here in this case, you would have them 
active. It would sell well. It'd be kind of weird. Again, I'm not up for it, but a lot of people would be. And it would keep Connor happy so that he's back around in December to take on the winner of whoever then. This would be a sort of a mulligan if he lost. I don't think people really hold it that much against him. So what's the harm? That's the level. I don't, I don't, do I love that fight? No, not at all. But if you're UFC, what's the harm? Yeah. What's the damn harm, Luke? Come on. The harm is Jay. The harm is Jay and his stupid, stupid glasses. The harm is they they can't afford anything right now, Luke, because Tom Brady's getting a dividend, okay? You get, Oprah gets a dividend. You know, everybody gets a dividend, Luke. You might be part owner of the UFC. That would be a great conspiracy theory to find out that Luke was actually a, a minority owner here. Yeah, well, I'm not. Let me assure you. All right, with that in mind, those are our five topics. So let's go to the next segment of the show where we take your questions. It's time for DMs from dogs. All right, there you see the rundown, all that good stuff. All right, BC. This week, who picks these, Jay? Uh, Jay, I think this gaff pick them. I'm not sure. Uh, Okay, so let's go to the first one here. Showtime picks them. All right. At the Drunken Swan. That's the guy, Luke. That's the provider of videos for uh, Have You Seen This Shit. That guy is a... He he might deserve a paycheck at this point. He might lock himself out of this show until we pay him, Luke. All right? How dangerous... How dangerous is the Nunez Ansaroff baby going to be? Boy, you want to talk about genetic stock to fight? Wow, dude. I don't know if it comes much better than that because Nina Ansaroff... Folks, forget, bro. She got hands, too. She'll put them on you. She's a good-ass fighter. And then Amanda, you know, maybe the best ever. That kid's good. Try bullying that kid. Oh, my moms will beat the fuck out of you. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Well, Luke, there's a missing ingredient in that. Whose sperm is it? That could, I mean, it could be even more dangerous, right? What if it's like Fedor's? Wouldn't that be crazy? yours. Speaking of conspiracy theories, maybe it's yours, Luke. No, it's, it's, it's not mine, BC. Maybe it's weird. Brazilian Shrek over there at ATT, my man Conan. Again, I'm not going to comment on your insanity, BC, but fair enough. All right, our next one. At, from at Miguel. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely do you think it is that there will be a fighters union by 2022, BC? 2022? Uh, a lot would have to happen in a year and a half. Because, you, yeah, yeah. Look, Luke, to get a union, I think you would need a work stoppage. So. You can't get I a work stoppage uh, without a union. It's illegal. Oh, that's a fair. Well. You could, you can. The, the, so, so what you could say is uh, everybody could just decide not to do it on their own. And that wouldn't be illegal. But you can't coordinate one without union protections, I don't believe. That's messy. I think a lot of fighters would cross a, a, a picket line just to survive and get paid. And, of and, course, and they would. So, so no, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll. Have, I think UFC will will find a compromise in which they're paying more, but we avoid you know the the idea of of the business you know going down for two years in order to fix it. You know what's funny? If the UFC knew what was good for them, they'd get out in front of this. Because think about it this way. You mean like, there are, are fighters union sponsored by Reebok? Is that where you're going with this? No, no, no. But understand something. Like the fighters, they know they're being taken for a ride here financially in terms of like what they generate, what they're entitled to, what other people get in other leagues, blah, blah, blah. They sort of get it, right? They're, the Athletic did that report where they had 80% plus who were like, yes, a union would be great. Here's the thing, though. The UFC took away Reebok and the UFC, the fighters didn't do anything. They don't give them a single penny of the TV deal 
Uh, obviously, if you're, uh, you get pay-per-view points, you get that. But the television deal, they don't get a cut of that. And, you know, they brought in USADA, which railroaded so many careers, but they now seem to like it. My point being is this, and they gave them accident insurance too. I have a feeling that if they came out and said, you know what, we're going to redouble our efforts to give you guys what you want. We're going to up paper, uh, fight pay. We're going to have guaranteed minimums. I bet you that would quiet people for a really long time. Now, would that be the ultimate solution? Would it eventually stop folks from doing it? No, but like if you just up the pay some and you do it out of like this generosity, no one has to risk their career. No one has to fall on their sword. You get a lot more money. They would get a ton of extra great publicity. To me, it's like get out in front of it. The fighters will just ultimately relent to it because that's what they always seem to do. I don't know. Seems like an opportunity, but rather than this court case, rather than Andrew Yang, former presidential uh, Democratic, you know, uh, candidate, tweeting about it relentlessly, you know, I don't know. It seems like if you don't, they're going to do something about it. Just take it out of their hands. I'll say this: for as much as UFC at times can like shoot themselves in the foot because Dana's so like, you know, unflinching and in your face on so many topics and say what he says and all that stuff. Their damage control is consistently very sharp. And I think you obviously you take your hat off for them getting back on the road with these fights and figuring out a way to do it. And now like everyone's mimicking what they did. Everybody boxing this week, like, you know, team sports coming up. So their ability to do that is is something that you do have to respect. So I think that, you know, in, in business like this, the compromise is always the the right way to uh to stem that tide, keep people happy in the short term, and and slowly work on the long term issues, they'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, at Tylorians, what's up with these people with like multiple letters all in a row, the same kind? Is Fight Night on June thirteenth the worst card you've ever witnessed? Uh, some of the UFC Fight Night card this Saturday. Uh, the, we haven't uh, seen it yet. I mean, look, it's got a main event that that I actually like, but it's not a main event, right? That's the Jessica I Cynthia Calvillo. Um, it's not a main event, Luke. We, we know that. I, you do realize that until Fight Island gets up, I do understand they have a small pool of willing and able fighters that can do this. I mean, I feel like Brian Kelleher, our guy, boom, is fighting, you know, every six days. In, and you have that opportunity if it's, if it's available. Uh, <coughs> it didn't jump out to me as the worst. Remember that time there was that UFC Albany card and it was like Derek Lewis against, uh, before he was Derek Lewis against uh, Shamil Abdurakimov. Yeah, that was uh, that was like, uh, well, I, I won't be there, okay? You know, <laughs> tell me how it was type of deal. Um, you know, this is in that category. I give them more of a pass considering, Luke, the circumstances and considering they came out with a bang. They came out with, you know, some really good cards. And all things considered, Saturday's card was very deep. So um, I, I, it's tough to complain at this point, Luke. It is. You got yeah, it, I mean, It's a fight here's night a card. Here's the thing, to call it, like, worst card by what standard? Have I been to regional MMA shows with, like, you know, significantly worse cards? Yes. I mean, by, if this was a regional MMA show and they had this, you'd be psyched. You'd be like, wow, it's a pretty good card. So it all yeah. is a function of your, the context and your expectations. By UFC standards, is this common even by fight night standards? No. It is a far cry from it. A couple of gems along the way. The Vittoria Roberson fight. Given what happened in Jacksonville, kind of interesting, right? And the main event, I agree, is pretty good. Uh, Cynthia, by the way, now at AKA, so we'll see what happens there. Some Andre Feely's on the card, and you know some other gems along the way. But yes, I mean, here's here, here's the thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say it's a great card because it's not. 
On the other hand, I think MMA fans are just being a little bit, a little bit unfair to UFC, and that's me saying that. They're in the middle of a, of a pandemic. They can't really travel the country. They can't bring in fighters for the most part from outside the country, with some exceptions here or there. And it's just a very hard thing to do. So what do you expect? This is what you're going to get. So, you know, listen, I'm not saying you have to love it. I'm not saying you have to watch it. Live your life the way you want. But you got to give the UFC a little bit of, you know, relaxed standards here, given the, the greater conditions. Look, we got to stand up for the UFC. I mean, 249 was a freaking like one of the best pay-per-views on paper of all time. And that was how they came back to the pandemic, right? You know, and, the, and 50 was great. The fight nights in between were pretty damn good. I mean, you know, the fights over delivered. Like, I was going to save this for odds and ends, but Luke... Boxing's coming back this week, okay? Top rank on ESPN doing a Tuesday night card, Thursday night card. They got a couple more scheduled. Is, is, uh, is, Shakur, is Shakur Stevenson on the card? Yeah, we're going to see Shakur Stevenson moving up in a non-title bout against a guy you never heard of. And if you look at his box rec page, he never fought anybody you heard of. And, you know, it's a showcase. And I got news for you, boxing fans. Um, they're all going to be like that for a while. I mean, boxing much more, uh, you know, determined on, in, c- committed to the live gate for keeping them afloat. Um it's going to be bad in boxing, most likely, for a while, Luke. You know, it, it, we're not going to see great fights. UFC's been giving us some really good stuff. So, uh, and, you know, maybe that's because of the pay structure, Luke. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Like, they have a certain way to manipulate things in a way that um, boxing promoters simply don't have the latitude. Last thing I'll say on this, too, it's like, you know, you're in the middle of this pandemic, uh, and the UFC's trying to turn out cards. And I remember before they were back, people were like, you know, we need sports to, like, save the national consciousness we got to improve the american psyche bc five cards in they're like fuck this i'm out this is shit i don't want to see it i'm like (laughs) maybe you were just bored and that's okay nothing wrong with being bored people get bored okay i understand but this whole nonsense about we have to save the american consciousness go fuck yourself you just wanted to see fights that's fine but call it what it is d-bag yeah uh all right so this goes to Swazi underscore arts or Swayze Swazi. Oh, okay. Which Jim Carrey character wins in an MMA street fight? Ace Ventura versus Hank Evans. Me, myself, and Irene. Don't forget, old Ace had some knuckle game. BC. Well, he did. You know, he did. Uh, and you know, uh, he also look. He had like some flexibility. Like his, I could think his jujutsu game is probably pretty good. You know, he could put his legs over his his shoulders and, and almost talk to his own ass. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure he could roll a little bit, right? I mean, Although, Finkel is Einhorn, Luke. You got to be yeah, honest, right? Ray Finkel as Lois Einhorn beat the shit out of him in that final scene, though. Remember that? Yeah, but that's years of pent-up frustration and lack of acceptance in our society, so you can understand <laughs> that, you know? The, uh, laces out, BC, as always. Yeah. I would say I would still go with Hank, maybe, because... He was was he royal? He was he was mounted? He was mounted uh, Canadian police, I think, something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and when he got crazy, he was you know he was just knuckling everyone into the dirt. So I would go so that way. Was, but I don't know. There's different kinds of crazy. I'd actually put the cable guy in here because that guy was like, Ooh. I'm going to eat your flesh, crazy. Cable guy, underrated movie. Underrated I saw that on a first movie. date, senior year of high school. I didn't get a second date. Yeah, I can't imagine why you wouldn't. All right. And then last but not least, uh, at the Wolf of Winter, thoughts on SpaceX missions and sending humans to Mars 
with a decade. I think they meant within a decade. What do you think, BC? You know, I'm not sure if we've ever gone anywhere in space, Luke. <sighs> you sicken me. I mean, look, do you ever just sit around, and I'm being legitimate here, and I'm not, I'm not making, like, you know, mushrooms or new <coughs> references here. Do you ever just sit around and, 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 you know, sit outside on your front stoop, and there's, like, an ant, and, you know, he only knows his life there in the dirt and the grass, but if I take my can of soda and I pour it and I suffocate him in that life, he's gone. I just... I just manipulate. I just changed his life and manipulated it. I just destroyed him. I became his maker. Luke, what if our planet and us are the ant on a much larger life force? And 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 you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, I don't really engage Double in the rainbow. ritual torture of insects or other animals. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with space exploration. We have obviously been to space numerous times. Um, I think we've been to a soundstage. Right. Well, you know, I also, unlike you, don't believe in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about prominent Jewish families and their connection to the global uh, uh, financial system. But Do, no, 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 no. You're digging there. You the, can, the Rothschild, the Rothschilds, the Rothschilds conspiracy theories are deeply anti-Semitic. But okay, maybe you don't get on that part. That's fine. I'm just pointing out. Um, what do I think about it? I think Elon Musk. Every time he goes on Joe Rogan's podcast reminds us that he's not as bright as he thinks he is. Um, but I am sort of interested in this new version of space exploration where the government via NASA controls it through a private entity. Um, they had a successful launch and docked with the International Space Station. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, will we get to Mars within a decade? I don't know. All I know, BC, is that movie with Matt Damon on Mars where he gets stuck and then promises to science the shit out of things is one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. And if you liked it, it's probably because you ate paint chips as a child. Just want to point that out. But Luke, do you give any credence or Clearwater to the, my revival theory here that, uh, you know, that we're not the, the, the smartest, largest, most developed species, that we could be, a, you know, an insect compared to something different here, Luke? Didn't you see those videos of the uh, UFOs that the Navy put out? I, again, we've had this conversation. I don't think we're the apex predator. Uh, well, we are a bit perhaps on this planet, but I have no doubt in my mind that there could be incredibly advanced life forms somewhere else. You're, I'm really asking, yo, did we, did we launch some donks past the, uh, you know, past the Earth's atmosphere into, into space? Yeah, of course we've done that. Sure. Luke, true or, let's, here's, this will determine it, true or false. Will men land on or in Uranus by 2022? Why are you here? <laughs> uh, all right, VC. Speaking of that, I could give no better lead-in than that one to the next segment of the show. Brian Campbell, the steering wheel is yours, good sir. Thank you, friend. Uh, you know what we do. We scatter the globe. The highs and lows in between the good, the bad, and the ugly in combat sports. Oh, and beyond, folks, it's Have You Seen the Shit. Before we start, I do want to say, Luke, I am committed to exiting the dick trade. I wasn't fooling around. So while sometimes a few slip in here, you should see how gross my DMs are. And you actually, you shouldn't. And our, our people who do fuel me with these bullets, they do need to take a step back. Because, I, like just, I, I like how your DMs have turned into grinder. 
Anyway, hey, we always start off by sending somebody to hell in real combat sports. Check out this regional kickboxing match, Luke. Uh, this didn't last long. We're going to touch gloves, and then we're going to start digging the grave, Luke. Uh, where, where is this? This is the back of a restaurant? You know Instead what? Of a mariachi band? Well, we got. Uh, let me ask you. Have you been to any regional MMA fights? Like, like oh. Oh, 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 God. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Th that was Maybe quick. this is at a funeral parlor. Look at this guy. He did, he did the Adesanya. Israel Adesanya did that. Uh, Ariel will tell you it's a Desanya, Luke. Okay, so get woke. Um, sure. What I'm saying here, Luke, is that uh, what, what did you, you ask? Oh, yeah. So regional MMA, anything can happen, Luke. We know this. Um, Keith Peterson ain't the only person that smells like bitches in hooch. Hold on. You know that. Have you, you, know have that, you right? been to one? Have you been to a regional no, MMA fight? I've never, I've never been to it's one. It's amazing to me how many MMA media have never done it. I've been to a gazillion of them. My, a good buddy of mine, this is a true story, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, fought in a converted billiards hall. That's a true Eesh. thing. Yikes. All right. Well, hey, we're going to roll on here. One championship. If they'll give you one thing, Luke, uh, well, they'll give you a lot of PR emails. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> they won't back down. They want you to interview their people. They'll also give you a knee to the face knockouts oh. like this to tatted fellas. Wow, Luke. Buddy. I mean, yeah. I think, oh, God. I think Rich Franklin just rolled over in his grave watching that. Oh, God. Is that, is yeah. that dude part of Antifa? Oh, good Lord. Oh, that's some vicious stuff here, Luke. Yeah. Wow. You know, I thought, you know, Cody Garbrandt's win was 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 a big one for the tatted fellas this week. But this guy just set us back, you know. Wow. Certainly did. Good Lord. That hey, is... What do you think of uh, Mr. Paige Van Zandt's uh, neck tat, throat tat? Would you uh, like if you were offered death or that tattoo, what would you pick? Oh, the tattoo. All right. All right. Well, I just wanted to know where you stood on that. Uh, shout out to this guy with the name. I wish I had the names. I don't always get the names. All right. He didn't get his moment. I'm sorry. Hey, we roll on from here, Luke. Um, this is a, we're going to debut something. It's called, have you heard this shit? Did you hear the promo Aljo cut on Peter Yan? Can we play the audio here, Jay? Did you hear it, Luke? No. Ah, that's, that's great directing. I wrote, I wrote in there play sound. All right. Sorry, I guess you'll have to look it up online. You know, I'll say this though, show, but. bro. Aljo is jacked. I mean, he's always he been jacked. Have you noticed that? Like that dude is just way more muscular than his the other top one thirty fivers. Luke, do you know that sound that he said? No. All right. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll. All right. Hey, we're gonna roll on from here. It was great, by the way. That was a, that was um, a great Luke clip. Really made the Luke, show. Spring and summer is upon us. Graduation is upon us. Check out how this chick is celebrating, Luke. I want in on this. Look at this. Is this my second wife? Send it in indeed. Yes, this is great. Look at the horrific look on the regular folks' face. This is how yeah. you end a quarantine, Luke. Buddy, look at the mouth-breathing Karen behind her. Oh, she can't believe wow. that this young... And the lady's in the bikini, too. She knows how to party, son. Is this a school of hard knocks or the school of hard I am after watching this, Luke? This is great, you know? All right. Hey, you know what else kicks off the good weather? And you got to be excited about this, Luke. It's getting out in the pool, right? It's pool season. You got to get those abs ready, Luke. Pool season is upon us. Wow, some people have indoor pools. Check out this dive. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Luke. That's, uh, <laughs> that's called oh a facial. God. Can we run that back? That had to hurt. That had to hurt. That actually disfigured him. It had to have. This is that what is... this is what all those white people get for uh, parkour. Yeah, this is what you yeah, get. You're right. 
You're right. All right. Hey, Luke, nothing says summer like uh, heading to the beach, right? Cracking a few cold ones. Ronnie Deutsch is back from Instagram. Check out uh, this guy, real name Tom Dowd. Check him out. Those are three twisted T's, Luke. You impressed? I will be in a minute. Okay, how about two more, Luke? You impressed that Ronnie Deutsch here, our guy? Get getting there. Okay, how about this? Uh, how, how about a little little uh, butt heavy? Yeah, you don't just bite that crap off. Luke, that's six beers. Bang! Right? Even this fat guy's loving it. Look at this guy. <laughs> Luke, I hope to have friends that loyal that when I do good things, they just pour beer all over them, their fat selves. It's great, you know. You know what? This guy by himself is making America great again. I can agree to that, right? How does What's he keep that figure up, Luke? That's a great... I was wondering it because look at the fat guy. That's what you're supposed to look like if you drink yeah. like this. This guy is a growing legend, Luke. I don't know his politics. I don't know if I want to know, but he lo- he's a legend in these parts. If he Luke, keeps okay? this up, we got to get him on the show. Uh, we're close. We're very close. Believe that. Um, hey, summertime also means concerts in non-COVID. Luke, LSD is a hell of a drug. Check out this chick, Luke. I've seen, these, I've seen people do this at BJJ class. Uh, would you rather date her or the graduation flipper? Oh, the graduation flipper. This one is a this this one you have to like, you know, carry to the car. Yeah, you don't you don't really like that that hippie vibe. See, Luke, you you were in high school in the mid in the mid nineties. Remember that Bohemian thing had a comeback. Hot chicks suddenly started like. Fuck all that! that I wasn't into that. All right, all right, all right. Well, hey, we're gonna roll on here. Uh, Hey, it's outdoor picnic season as well, Luke. And after you drink a lot, sometimes your friends ask you to uh, do something. Here, hold this kick, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that is just awesome. Let me get my let me get my friends who've never this dude kicking can't do a pull up. And they've got him trying some acrobatic kick. By the way, the dude who's kneeling looks like he's an ogre. Like he's like seven feet tall. So by the, even leaning, it's not it's not short enough. And they're playing cornhole in the backyard. The, these losers are my favorite. They're playing cornhole and they're like, who wants to be Terry Adam? Let's just, you know, let's just do it here, Luke. This is great. Yeah. Okay. Dude. Uh, Luke, let's That let's is hilarious. Well, he got the bottle off the can he did he did win on that looks like goonies in the background what are we in seattle here hey let's go to the gym here luke uh speaking of good friends when your friend needs a spot you give it to him look at the commitment for these two luke they started off as friends and i think they ended married luke. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh he bailed on it backwards Oh my oh. god, that's so much weight, Luke. That's ridiculous. All oh, right. And well, he didn't e- he didn't even he didn't even get it off the rack properly. Hold on, let it play one more time. Does he one step it off the rack? How much is yeah. that? Is that? See his feet pounds? see how his feet are see how his feet are staggered when he when he takes it off the rack? You knew this guy was a fuck up. You can't do that. Is that proper form on the spot for that, Luke? I, I no. I'm never. Do, you want, do you want people to the outside uh like that? I'm never going to the gym with you if we if that's the future of uh of uh yeah that's uh okay dude and these guys and these guys are wearing shorts that go up their up their ass this is yeah. amazing this is amazing God. what a clip look at this Russian guy indeed all right you let's know you know the- what I like this is this is the stuff I like right here 
Well, summer is also tip on tips, isn't Luke? If you've drinking too much, check out these guys. They're friends. They got into a fight. This is a. Uh, that's uh that's that's pretty close, Luke. That's, is this uh, somewhere in Russia? I don't know. But uh is that one guy uh is he is he camping, Luke? He Are like, they yeah, is I, this does this count as scissoring? Is this this I'm <laughs> this may be too far. We may have to get out of here. Hey, let's go back to a real MMA fight, Luke. Uh you look, wrestling's never been far from MMA. Uh check out this finishing move. Oh that my god, legal, that is Luke. that is gratuitous. That's like a uh, I think that's like a double axe handle off the top rope. Dude, what First of all, he hit him with the Brian Kelleher left hook that he hit on Hunter Azure, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah. See, this is why I don't like professional wrestling. People just gets out of hand, BC. Yeah, it does. It does indeed. It does. Hey, we're going to go to art for this portion of Have You Seen This Shit, Luke. Let's go to nature. I don't know. Is this art? Are we art? Is art art? Luke, look at the balls on this tree. <laughs> look at I mean, Look at that, Luke. Boy, that tree is. I mean, that tree is kind of hung, sort of. <laughs> Luke, is that you in the pool after about six beers? You're like, F it. I'm just going to go right here. You know, just whatever. Six. I'll do it on the first one, buddy. <laughs> Luke, where was the grossest you ever peed? Do you have like a public pool story? You have like a... I one time at a concert, a Dave Matthews concert, just peed on somebody's uh, uh, like blanket with like people sitting there enjoying the concert right there. Luke. No, I've never done that. But like my wife dragged me to one of those like summer tours that all those hair metal bands from the 80s get together and they kind of tour. I mean, you should see the garbage pail kids that, that, that those tours bring <laughs> out. Good Lord. Anyway, uh, I went to the, the restroom there. What was this? This was the Meriwether Post Pavilion for anyone in the D.C. area. Oh, my God, dude. I looked in the commode, and there was, like, blood and, uh, you know, layers of feces and... Stay the you know, F out the commode, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Like short shot. Yeah. Short that, that was one of those things where, like, when I walked out, I wanted to burn my shoes and clothes. Yes. Can we get this picture off the screen? Let's move on here. Uh, Luke, I got a great spot. I don't know what wedding anniversary you're going to celebrate soon, but there's a Brazilian sex hotel. How about the ground and pound room? You in on this, Luke? I would rather have Ebola shot directly into my eyeballs than stay here for five seconds. Says the guy who went to the shooting range on his first date, you know, the Cannibal Listen, Corpse concert on his. Oh second. yeah, and you went and you went to the cable guy. You think I do? Do you think you are cool? You, I know. Here's the difference between you and me. I know I'm not cool. You still are hanging on to the idea you're cool. Look, I I also went to American Pie on a first date. That's not a good movie to go on a first date. I didn't get a second one. It didn't happen. We're, we're in the car ride home, did you tell her to suck me, beautiful? <laughs> all right uh yeah do you think yeah okay what do you uh i mean you know it's a creative idea for a room right luke it's not you know if if you have the uh you know brain power of a cephalopod sure if you found out that this room actually existed in ufc headquarters as like a uh casting couch would you would no no no, no see here's no, the thing no, i just no. don't like i don't like any bed that doesn't have a headboard okay okay all right. You're not one of those weirdos shit. who doesn't sleep with pillows, right? Oh, I sleep with pillows. Come on now. 
All right, yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, uh, almost done here. Uh, somebody come get Abuela, Luke. She's drunk. Um, can you get your mother-in-law off the screen here? What is, what's going be, on here, be, Luke? Be I'm nice. Sorry, you know? Be friend. Oh, Jesus. Be friendly. Okay, sorry, sorry. What does that say in Spanish there, Luke? I don't, I don't have the uh, translation in front I can't, of me. I can't see. It's too, it, shocker that it's blurry. Low, bueno que son, responsible. I can't quite make it out. Okay. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a nice little uh, Groucho Marx inspired glasses. It smells like kittens. Yeah. All right, Luke, let's go. We're going to end with this. Um, we're going to go back to the gym. This is very creative, Luke. If you have the type of body that can pull this off, this is how you strengthen up for the weekend. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, BC, in all my time at the gym, I've never done this. Well, I might, have to, have, I might little, have to give that one the old college try when they open you up. You have the, a little uh, Irish in you, right? That's probably why there. I don't know. Our, 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 is that our, the our is that the guys? is that the official like uh, morning combat workout? That is. That is. Yes. Yes. You want to go? You know, tip to grip with somebody. You got to. You got to. You got to warm up to it, though. So, uh, thank you, Luke. Have you seen it? Yeah, I think you've seen it. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Wow. Uh, uh, wow. All right. Very good. Uh, BC it is time for odds and ends. Good sir. What do you have for us? Thank you. Um, shout out to Floyd Mayweather. Look, we call him out when he needs to be called out. But you know, there there are times when uh, you should celebrate when somebody does good. And Floyd Mayweather has a history. Uh, you know, he paid for the funeral of the man he won the world title from, Gennaro Hernandez, the, the legendary fighter, when he passed. And he recently uh, paid the expenses of the George Floyd funeral. And um, I applaud him right now, Luke. You know, I mean, everybody has in their family, friend circle, job, whatever, somebody who's more well off than somebody else. And it's great to see when they sort of step in and uh, and pick up the check, so to speak. This was a this was a great public statement and, and power move by by Floyd. And I, pre I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, look no one is uh, all good or all bad and um this is a i who could who could say this is a bad thing right the floyd dude who could say it's a bad thing he did um, send an instagram at uh connor saying you know when you come back meet me in the rematch but that's an every other day thing luke and um i also did want to lament uh the loss of of employment for many of our colleagues in this game, and specifically with the uh, layoffs at the Athletic. And you know, I'm a subscriber of the Athletic. I really like what they're doing. I was excited when they branched out into combat sports. Uh, full disclosure, you know, I was in the running and, and didn't end up, you know, ended up resigning with CBS. So I could, it could have been me, just the same. But uh, you know, from Chuck Mindenhall to my great friend Rafe Bartholomew on the boxing side, Chad Dundas, Josh Gross, a lot of people there that I really love and respect and think are some of the best in combat sports at what they do um you know we're now looking for new work and and you know nothing's guaranteed and certainly in these crazy times right now nothing's guaranteed which makes me obviously extra thankful for what we have luke and you know we're, we're, we're shouldering on thank you dana for bringing back fights but uh tough pill to swallow to see so many great people that we love luke yeah that was brutal to watch i don't know how many got laid off on the boxing side was it just old rafe was it anybody else i don't think it was anybody else no yeah, uh, I mean, look, if, you don't, if you don't read Rafe Bartholomew's stuff, the New York Times bestselling author, the former Grantland aficionado, I mean, there's a, I'd great. say he's the best in the world at what he does because nobody writes like that. You know, he's a he's a he's a great author. And uh, it was it was really tough to see. That's some of the best stuff you could have read on there. And his previews were always they just got to the meat and potatoes of things and are really like it, it, not to say that it was basic, but like you could just read his 
previews and you'd understand exactly for like if you hadn't been paying attention to a fight to catch up um it was just a great great way to get ahead of the game so that and then on the on the mma side it was dan stup the head editor gross dundas and chuck mendenhall chuck who you know obviously has uh has helped us on this show as well and we'll be back at some point i'm sure uh it was brutal to watch man really really brutal and then yeah, don't I hope forget those guys, the, i hope on, anyone listening who employs people you know reach out to them and i think that they've made the athletic has made uh their libraries uh free so you can you can see the work that you maybe haven't seen of these guys while they were behind that paywall luke right and the last thing i'd say is the bad news of course is they got laid off the good news is you know i mean chuck mendenhall you could say arguably the best writer in the game is now available for hire so that's yeah for someone out there i hope that's the right fit and i'll just say this too don't forget about vox media uh, they had a lot of cuts too from all their contract work there's a lot of people that they said goodbye to including mike chiapetta who had not one but two different stints with mmafighting.com and they had to say goodbye to him so it wasn't i mean the athletic ones were brutal but um, there's been a quietly a sort of a lot of other ones happening around the sport as well. Um, trivia question. Chiapetta was on episode one of the MMA beat with yourself, correctly? Yeah, it was me, Ariel, and Mike Chiapetta. That's right. I was in the first episode and the last episode. How about that? Kind of interesting. Uh, okay, so oh. for my odds and ends, speaking of loss, but maybe a bit of a triumph at the same time. Oh, you had one. You, sorry, go ahead. Oh, were you going to mention this uh, fantastic Showtime doc that's uh, debuting? Yes, Ringside. Uh, is going to be happening, I think, what, this Friday at 9, if uh, memory serves? So I got a chance to to peep this, thanks to our good friends at Showtime. Uh, this is raw. This is emotional. This is good stuff. The best way I could describe it, you know, going to the 90s, is this is like boxing's version of hoop dreams, meaning, you know, two perspective you know young fighters that had a ton of potential cameras followed them for nine years you know through the ups and downs of both the sport their personal lives you know uh, jail, 830 friday by the way. 8 30 p.m 8 30 p.m on friday uh this is a very good documentary on, on two people's lives that went in so many different directions and uh i mean you remember hoop dreams luke that was i mean that's of one of the greatest f films ever that that affected us in so many ways but uh you know this is a almost a boxing version but it, but it's its own unique element and uh it's really touching luke i mean boxing is a game that is so cruel and you know it can be an easy path to the top when you come from nowhere but to see the struggle behind the scenes like this was really interesting certainly yeah so then on friday 8 30 p.m of course you can watch ringside on showtime and then at 10 all the tyson fights then that's where brian and i will get involved on friday night to help take you through that with our companion podcast as well morning combat classics um on my side of things i would say we talked about all the bantamweights that had done so well at UFC 250, there was one more. Now, technically, his fight was at featherweight, but he's a bantamweight. Everything's happening on short notice, blah, blah, blah. Cody Stamen had lost his younger brother tragically um, since his last fight previously and was really just dealing with an incredibly heavy heart. I think his brother had died um, in his sleep, his younger brother, and he had to sort of gut through it and, and find a way forward, and he did. He performed really well he looked super sharp um you know his fights go to a lot of decisions but you know he just had really clean mechanics you could tell he was out there thinking kelleher was game you know kelleher gave him a good fight but in the end stamen was just a little bit ahead in a lot of areas and even even kelleher admitted that you know stamen was better that night and said it was an honor to compete against somebody who was trying to do what he was doing so i really take my hat off to cody stamen if he had pulled out who could have said 
anything bad about it, and they would have totally understood. But he stuck through the process, which had to be difficult, especially in these uncertain times. And he he is a real fighter. He's a fighter in the cage, and he's a fighter outside of one. So from everyone here at Morning Combat, congratulations for his win to uh, Cody Stamen. And we obviously uh, share and uh, send our, our, our greatest condolences at the same time. Yeah, the love that they showed as competitors at the end was really touching. The comments they had about each other afterwards, it was almost like like a Gotti Ward type vibe in terms of like the respect they had in, in enduring that together with the the heavy emotional uh, toll that was going on. You know, I don't I don't mean to you know critique Walt Harris's performance after you know a, a, a different but similar tragedy, but it, it can be incredibly hard, Luke, to go in there and be focused on just that. Like, obviously, the grief can fuel you, and we've seen that in different performances in sports. And I think, you know, Walt Harris came out incredible in the beginning, and you're like, oh, man, you know, this is going to be great. But to be able to carry it out over the distance like he did and, and, and block that out, it, it's just uh, it's inspiring because, uh, you know, a lot of people rightfully tweeted, when I lost, insert family member, you know, I was despondent for, you know, whatever. This guy went through training camp like this and, and you know, finished off his training camp and went to the fight. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and so um, as you had noted, well, once the fight was kind of funny, it was like once the fight was over, he went from zero to 60. Like he was composed, he was, you know, doing what he was supposed to do. And then as soon as the fight was over, immediately the tears started flowing. Like that dude was hanging on by a thread in many ways. Still able to get it done. Pretty impressive. So, um, you know, hope he gets some rest. Hope he gets uh, a chance to mourn. And uh, obviously hope that he has a you know, a better 2020 than what he's had up to this point, but at least in the cage, you know, pr pretty smooth operator. And I think he's going to jump in the rankings probably inside the top 10 at this point. So in that sense, uh, good for him. Uh, uh, Luke, okay. I missed, I missed a big time nineties reference last week during, have you seen this ish when you, you know, opened up about your dad, when that Japanese fella had the skateboard go between his legs and the parents applauded. And by the way, the, apparently, I don't know if it's believable, but that guy commented, said, I'm that guy, you know? So shout out to me, um, that your dad is Rob Thomas, Luke. I, I mean, how did it, you know, I mean, if it's 3 a.m., your dad must be lonely. You know what I'm saying? Luke, I understand you want to push him around, you know, and you will, you will, you want to take him for granted. But the point of me making these jokes about you and your family, and I'm and I'm sorry. Um, can we get your dad in a morning combat hat? I'll purchase it, Luke. A sweatshirt. Can your dad go to store.show.com and and search for morning combat? What is the most? What item would he be most willing to to use? The coffee mug, the 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 beer pint. Is there something that we can get Rob Thomas outfitted in? Which one is most flammable? That's oh, the one he'll probably use to set you know, fire I just want to him trash to represent you, you know, because you're so smooth, Luke. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not gonna, you know, he he would never go and buy anything. But if I happen to have one, like a hat, and put it on him, he would wear it long enough for me to take a picture with my cell phone and then chuck it in the garbage. So uh, it's possible to capture it, just not very easy. I'm going to guess he's not known as Rob. No one calls him Rob, right? No, no one calls him Rob. I can assure you. Yeah, I, By the way, there's I, a glory I, fighter called Robert Thomas that when I was working for glory, I had to watch compete. And like every time I did, he got viciously KO'd. That was always kind of weird. Oh, that was therapeutic for you in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Uh, we encourage everyone to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay is right. Uh, you didn't hear that. But uh, Friday night, 10 Eastern... You can watch a handful of fun Mike Tyson fights. You know, I broke my back, spinal, after knocking out Clifford ATN. There's some fun fights in there. 
and we're going to give you the YouTube companion. Uh, Luke, you're gonna, what are you going to purchase to drink during this, Luke? That's always part of my, my week when it's MK Classics, right? I'm like, what am I going to drink during this? I'll probably have some vodka maybe this weekend. Some vodka. Okay. Something like that. Now, have you perfected the craft and the sauce? Do you like to come in sober to our MK Classic shows or come in, you know, peaking at the, peaking at the beacon, so to speak? I need to have a couple. I need a two-drink minimum before it starts. I got to get a little bit loosey-goosey so I can get in the mood. Uh, okay. I can't start the drinking at the start of the, of the broadcast. It got to be a little pregame action, if you know what I'm saying. Well, Tyson did have a great run with Showtime. You know, began with those two uh, Razor Ruddick fights and then post-jail, you know, that entire run. Hey, I got a, a, a uh, Tyson McBride pay-per-view poster over my shoulder here from the good folks at Showtime. So I'm excited to uh, go back and watch this with you, Luke, as he's making, you know, legitimate headlines right now and wanting to come back. Luke, he's not kidding. He's not fooling around, apparently. He's not, which is uh, distressing, but the just the same. Uh, Luke, I know you have other jobs, but uh, did you watch the Epstein doc on Netflix? I know you're trying to take us out of here. I know you, you know, I you did. got kids. You got, you know. I did. I did watch it. It was disturbing. Very disturbing. Yeah. You know, by, by the sixth firsthand story of, you know, him paying right. a 13-year-old to, to massage him, and then it went south from there, um, it, I did have to turn it off a couple times, but yeah. um, there's a lot of interesting Eddie Bravo type talk that comes out of this, you know? A little bit. Bill Clinton doesn't look too good in this one, huh? He comes out looking no, pretty bad. No, neither does Prince. Uh, one of the princes, Luke. Yeah, uh, and also uh, Alan Dershowitz does not look great. Uh, Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew. Yeah. Thank and you, Jay. Uh, Alan Dershowitz does not come out of this one looking awesome. Also, he had like super yellow teeth, which was weird. Uh, yeah. So Jay, in any Jay, event, yeah. Uh, uh, Donald would, Trump's in it too, Luke. I don't know yeah, Trump. That. Trump. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I would say I would say Clinton came off worse than Trump, but. Uh, that's not saying much. So, Luke, who right. would be more likely to to boldly wear a morning combat sweatshirt? Your dad or a pre uh, pre murdered Jeffrey Epstein? Jeffrey Epstein. All right. Well, at least we got at least we got one fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my uh, my wife would wear one. She's pretty supportive and. Abuela would definitely wear one, but my dad. Oh yeah, yeah. Forget about those dong glasses. Let's get Abuela in. 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 Let's get her. I'll pay for that, Luke. Okay, I'll pay for that. That's Thank very you. generous of you. All right, I have to get to my other job, as I always have to. Uh, reminder again. Of course, we'll tweet out the link for the merch. It is available on the Showtime store. You can go over there now. Uh, store dot show com. Give that a run. Of course, Friday, 8.30 p.m. is the ringside dock, 10 p.m. Tyson, we're going to be there with our companion podcast to get you through. If you would like to try Showtime for free, you certainly can. A 30-day free trial is available to you. Simply go to Showtime.com. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go. We also have our social media handles, which you should be fully aware of. We're at Twitter and we have Instagram. Uh, and then in the middle, you can see we have Instagram and YouTube, obviously, for Morning Combat. So give us a follow. And what we really care about is subscribers. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. That is what we would like from you. That's a free thing you can do, and it does us a lot of good. So, BC, any final thoughts before we get yeah, out of here? try Showtime. But how about you try a little tenderness, too, Luke? I think the last few weeks uh, socially have, have, you know, affected us in a lot of ways. Uh Love thy neighbor, Luke. Choose, you know what I mean. Like, like let's wake up. No more white privilege. Let, let's get, let's, you know, let's get out there, Luke. Okay. Just be nice to each other. That's all you got to do. It's free yeah. to be yeah. nice. 
And it with is, that, with that, that's Brian Campbell. I mean, hu hug your fellow man. I, I don't know about tip to tip, but hug your fellow man. You know what Maybe saying? go grip to grip, but that's about it. And wash yes. your hands afterwards and wear a mask. Okay. Uh, for Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to everyone at Malka, Showtime, and everyone else beyond. And to you, the viewer, until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.